Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men and the ladies that sometimes check out the Holy Man podcast. It is great to be with you again on the Holy Man podcast as we all continue a journey of uh, walking with God and the power of the Holy Spirit through His grace on our journey of becoming holy men. Definitely only through His grace, right guys? I mean, the more I try to do it on my own, man, I keep messing that up. And, uh, and there's certainly in our topic today that we'll be looking at, that is certainly the truth. Um, we've been on a journey through these last many episodes. Uh, what about, I guess we're on episode 56. So that's about 16 uh, different chapters that we're looking in the measure of a man, uh, the book written by Gene Getz many years ago. And he utilized the attributes that Paul shares with uh, Timothy and Titus in, uh, in the books that he wrote to them and, and just helping Timothy and Titus to know for themselves and for the men in the church or the leaders in the church that he's trying to, they're trying to raise up uh, what we all should be aspiring to different attributes in our lives that we should be seeking God and figuring out how can God grow these attributes in our lives. So today it's one that uh, is certainly can be a challenge uh, in help in God helping us to get this right. Uh, we're looking at the idea today of being able to manage our household well. Another thing, way he calls it in the chapter is fathering God's way. It's one that we all should be aspiring to in our walk of faith. But there's some of you out there thinking, well, this one's not for me. Maybe because your household looks different. Uh, maybe your household, maybe you are a, a single guy and you don't have any kids in your household right now, or maybe you're an empty nester. And so maybe you think, well, this doesn't apply to me as much, but hang on, because I, I really think this applies to all of us, no matter what our home situation looks like. So let me read the, uh, the two passages in Timothy and Titus. Uh, it's in both of there. So you can begin to see some of the things that we're called to with this attribute and managing our household uh, to see how it applies to all of us, no matter whether we have 20 kids in our house. Oh my, I can't imagine what that would look like or four kids in our house, or maybe you have just one or two kids in your house, you know, and, but or maybe you're single. It still applies. Let's see. Well, in first Timothy chapter three, starting in verse four, it reads this way. This person must man, this man must manage his own family. Well, having children who respect and obey him for, if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? And I think you can see that, you know, if you, if you can't, 
uh, allow God to lead you to lead your household well, how are you going to help to lead in God's church and in, in no matter what area within God's church? Uh, and then in Titus chapter one, uh, verse six, it says a, an elder or a mature man of faith uh, must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. So within those two passages, what are some of the things that we see for us men that we should be aspiring to within our households and helping them to look like they do? Uh, now I'm going to, again, I'm going to do this and I'm going to look at this question for two, from two perspectives that I have. Uh, my first perspective is my present family dynamic, and that is being a husband and a dad, uh, a dad of multiple kids. And a couple of those kids are still at home and a couple of them are away at college. My other perspective that will help some of you is, uh, is me thinking back to before I was married, and, but living on my own. So, uh, you know, I didn't get married till I was about 30. And so I lived out on my own in my own apartment first and then my own house for almost 10 years before uh, I got married and started having my family. So these passages apply to both of those perspectives, but certainly my present one may, may be a little bit more because uh, there's more involved with my kids and everything. You know, the one thing I want to say is I apologize to my parents. My parents are both passed away, but I wish I could apologize to them because I wasn't, you know, they're supposed to raise a child that wasn't wild and crazy. But, you know, I think some of us out there, we need to apologize to our parents and our parents are probably saying, well, you're getting what you deserve now as you raise your own kids. Right. Well, as I think back uh, when I was single uh, and think of that perspective, you know, I was my own family. So when Paul says that uh, a, a man must manage his own family well, well, he was talking about me managing me and my household. So the, because I was single, I had no one else living in my household at the time. So the property where I lived, I needed to manage it in bringing honor and glory to God. Ultimately, that's what I'm supposed to be doing with everything in my life. So everything I have is God. So I needed to be a good steward of it. I need to keep things working in an order, keep it as at least relatively clean as much as a, you know, a single guy could and manage what life in that household looked like life in the house needed to demonstrate. Now get this guys. It needed to demonstrate that I walked with, Jesus. Do you get that? So I, I know I'm single, but when others from the outside looking in, they should be able to tell that I'm bringing honor and glory to God, that I followed Jesus by how I managed myself and the household in which I was li living. So, you know, if I had a girl over on a date, I needed to bring honor and glory to God in that household. If friends were over for, you know, a gathering, uh, for a meal or for a party, again, was God glorified during that party? So this takes in all the other attributes that we've already talked about, you know, all of all 16 of them, they all play out in bringing honor and glory to God as a single guy within that household. 
And, and truthfully, when I was alone in the house, which was most of the time, was I bringing God glory with my aloneness? Was I managing my household and my family, which was me, me in a way that God was being worshiped? So all you single guys out there, and I know there's a few of you that are listening to this because a couple of you are in my life group. Um, you know, how's that sound? You know, bringing honor and glory to God in our aloneness. Now, sometimes when we're married or have kids, we still have those moments of being alone in our house. And in those moments, we need to bring honor and glory to God. It's not just when we're interacting with the people in our household, but it's also when we are all alone. So if you're a single with no kids in the house or even an empty nester, this passage still applies to you. And possibly there are moments when it is even harder because there might be no one there to keep you accountable. Well, except God, right? God is always there. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Oh, that. Yeah, that's not Santa Claus. That's God. <laughs> we are to manage our households and our family, no matter what the dynamic of that family is, no matter what our household looks like. We're supposed to bring honor and glory to God, period. We're supposed to follow Jesus when we're alone and when we have many people in the house. Okay, now let's look at the other aspect, the other per uh, perception that I had. If you start adding people into your family, you know, my wife and then my children, in general, it doesn't change. Life should demonstrate that I walk with Jesus, that I am desiring to bring honor to God through life within that house and family. If I'm married, we partner in that, thanks be to God. So it's Karen and I looking to bring honor and glory to God with our relationship and our relationship to the kids and how we manage the household. But although it's great to have Karen alongside of me, we sometimes have different perspectives on what the management of the household and the family should look like. So then... We have to have that relationship honor God first before we can even get to the family and to the household. We have to have our marriage demonstrate that we love God and we love each other. You know, as, as I'm recording this, you know, it was just a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago that we had a marriage sermon series during the month of February in our church. And we all learned some great lessons that pastor Mike shared with us to, Help us learn what marriage can look like. Truthfully, <clears throat> I'll be honest, I don't know which is harder. Honoring God when you are alone and no one is around to hold you accountable or having a family in the house and having to figure out relationships. I mean, I guess they both have their struggles. But I'll be honest with you, I would say that the challenge of doing life with a family in the house has a few more simply because I do have aloneness alone time in the house, even when I do have a family. And so I have that aspect of life, but I also have the relationships that I have to struggle through with my wife and my kids. So what does Paul have to say then about managing the household with, with others living with you? Well, first he says, did you in back, if we look back to what he shared with Timothy and Titus, he said, the first thing we need to do is be faithful to your wife. That's first. 
Happy wife, happy life, right guys? Now realize this is a big part of it. Being faithful is not just, you know, a sex thing. It's not just having her and only her as a partner. It's so much bigger than that. Me being faithful uh, to her, it's, it's being faithful to all the vows of marriage. Yes, having only eyes for my wife is a, is a big part of that, but there's so much more. Uh, it's loving her second to God. She should ha- have faith or trust that I am with her and that I am for her and that and I'm loving her no matter what, especially when we don't see eye to eye. She's still mine and I'm still hers. The image is shared in many places throughout the Bible that Jesus' relationship to the church is an image of a good God-honoring marriage. So we need to think of Jesus and how he is faithful to the church to fully understand what Paul is saying here. You see, being faithful to our wives is huge as part of managing the household. We are faithful to her, to all the vows that we take to love her, cherish her, adore her. Okay, so that's first. That's that's a big part of it, but I want to move on to make sure we cover the other parts too. So if you have more questions about that, I'd say go back and watch the sermon series that Pastor Mike preached during the month of February, because that will help you better understand some of those aspects of being faithful to your wife. Okay, another aspect. Then Paul says uh, that I should have children who respect me and obey me, find faith in Jesus as a believer, and they shouldn't have a reputation of being wild and rebellious. Wow, my poor parents. (laughs) I made this one hard for them. How about you guys? Yeah? Okay, so the easy thing to say here that kind of covers it all is that I need to show them, show my children, Jesus. I need to teach them about Jesus. Love them like Jesus. You get the picture? Easy? No, not at all. I'm a pastor and my wife is a pastor. And the answer is still no. This is not easy because we live in this world. We are not in a bubble. If we were the only influencers into our kids' lives, maybe it would be easier, but we are not. And Karen and I are, we're, we're sinners, saved by grace. So we are not perfect at this. And we, again, Karen and I see see it from a different perspective sometimes of how to best share Jesus with our kids. So what are some ways? that we can share Jesus with our kids? What are some ways that, maybe that we can learn from God's word to help us raise our kids? And truthfully, how can Karen and I love each other and in, in sharing Jesus with each other in this journey as well? Well, one of my favorite passages, uh, it, it is so good. It is so practical for this. And it, it just has some great uh, meat to it of how we can raise our families to, to love Jesus and love each other. And on top of that, how it's a great illustration of how we can manage our households. So we're turning to some old word here back into the book of Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, it's one of the biggest passages in the, uh, the 
people of God, the Israelites community. It's uh, the opening part of it is called the Shema, which is very big in the uh, Jewish community. Uh, but chapter six, again, here, this is a great passage, guys. It starts off by saying, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord, your God commanded me to teach you. So this is Moses sharing this with the Israelites. And, and this, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is giving his last it's his last chance to speak into the lives of the people of God before they were going to be going into the promised land. So this is the, the last opportunity that Moses has. So this is a big part of what he's saying here. So Moses says, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. So it's that idea of having a reverent fear of God, realizing that God is God and we are not. So that's the first thing that we, in managing our family, we demonstrate that by living the life of worship of God, of saying God is God, we are not, and we will acknowledge God in that capacity. He continues, he says, if you obey all of his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your ancestors promised you. So again, uh, and, and God, you know, he has forgiveness. He has the grace built into the law. Grace was there before Jesus ever walked the earth. And so God says, if you trust me to live your life, in faith by taking the word I give you and trusting me to live your life the way I encourage you to live, including when you sin, when you get it wrong. So he knows that's going to happen. He built that into the law. When you get it wrong, still coming back to me and asking for forgiveness and still moving forward and trusting me with living the best life you can. That's what we're called to in the word of God, we live by faith through the grace of God. God didn't have to give the Israelites the law, but he chose to in grace. It's always about God's grace. Every aspect of the word of God is because of God's grace. He shares it with us and we can choose to put our faith in God, to trust God, to move forward. And if we do, God says, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have a long life. You're going to be blessed with the families that I give you, whatever those family dynamics look like. I'm going to bless you because I'm going to be with you, God says. Okay, let's keep going. He says, uh, let me jump up here. <laughs> I just lost my place. All right. So. The next thing he shares as we jump into verse four, this is where we get to the, what we call the Shema. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all of your soul and all of your strength. So guys, what do you love first in your life? That's what we have to show our families. And if you're alone, Again, it's bringing honor and glory to God. It's demonstrating a life that demonstrates that God is first in your life, that we love God with all. Not just, it doesn't say love the Lord your God with some. 
It says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And the heart was considered the center of everything about me. My emotions, my strength, my decisions, my actions, everything emulated came out of my heart. So with my heart, with my soul, with my strength, everything about me loves God first. That's because God alone is God. And then from there, so that's what we show our kids that we love God first. When everything else fails, we're going to love God no matter what. So that's how we start. And then he says, this is where it gets really practical for leading our family. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. So not just a little bit, but all of it. And we're going to talk about wholeheartedly what that looks like next week. Uh, So come back for that. But uh, whole. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. So learn them, practice them, do the best you can with them through God's grace and just keep working on them. And then verse seven, it says, repeat them again and again to your children. So fathers, do you dads out there, you grandfathers out there, are you doing this? Are you sharing the word of God in some way, shape, or form with your kids on a regular basis? Are you bringing them to new life kids? Are you taking them to youth group? Are you reading the Bible in front of them? Are you, you know, all those different ways, excuse me, that you can be doing that. So repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So what is he saying? Use practical everyday life and moments and everyday things to help you share the word of God with your kids and your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews. For instance, let me give you for instance on this. All of my kids have loved the outdoors different ways at different times. And so I love use I love the outdoors too. Whether we're hiking, whether we're just out in the backyard, whether we're looking at leaves and sticks, whether we're in a stream or out at a lake, wherever we are, I love the outdoors. Whether we're just watching the sunrise or the sunset. I love using God's creation to help my kids learn about God. You know, right now, Daniel is, uh, he loves going up to Dolby park or the other lakes and, uh, and streams around the area. We love going there and he loves catching fish. He loves catching turtles. He loves catching bugs, salamanders, snakes, whatever it is. And every time we do, I invite him to just marvel at God's creation. And he does. He, he's, he's learned to say it now. Dad, look what God did. Look what God created. It is so cool throughout the history of my kids growing up <clears throat> to see each of them appreciate God's creativity and creating the world as he did. You know, we, we find leaves from different trees and we look how different they are. <clears throat> it is so much fun. So we use creation. We also watch certain shows together. You know, one of the, my families right now on YouTube, Daniel loves dude. Perfect. If you haven't seen it before, it's really cool. It's a bunch of guys, bunch of dudes. They love Jesus, but they also just love doing fun things, fun activities, fun challenges. 
and they bring Jesus into it. So it's, it's really cool. So I love watching those with Daniel and my girls and, and Andrew when he's home. Uh, when we're in a car, we love listening to Christian music and we talk about the lyrics. You know, we, we, we wear Christian t-shirts. You know, there's a bunch of Christian t-shirts company out there. And so we use just stuff in our lives and we use it to talk about Jesus. We pray together as a family. We are open to hard conversations and we love each other through them. You know, when my kids are involved in activities like sports or musical things or dances, science projects at school, we are always invested in them and any chance we can of bringing Jesus into the conversation of what we're talking about, we do it because it's all for the glory of God. Now, sometimes my kids will make jokes out of it. You know, if Karen or I share a God thought in a certain moment, one of my other kids will say, Ooh, you got pastored. (laughs) They love picking on us about that, that we're pastoring our kids, but we're not pastoring our kids. We're raising our kids as God calls us to in managing our households well, raising them to get to know Jesus. We take the everyday life that we are living, whether we're driving in the car, whether we are at the house, whether we're at the church, whether we're out at Walmart. Yeah, even at Walmart, we can find ways to talk about Jesus because it's life. And God ordained all life to be to bring honor and glory to him and how we live it. So we find all aspects of life and we find the, all the little pieces and we talk about Jesus anytime we get a chance to. Does it sound cheesy, guys? Well, maybe. But we're raising our kids to get to know Jesus. That's our jobs. There's no greater gift, none, that we can share with our children than a possible faith journey. They still have to make the choice on their own. They can still reject God. They can say, God, uh, uh, mom, dad, you've told us all about it, but we don't think it's right. We're not going to follow Jesus. They still have that choice, but it's my job to help them to get to know Jesus. And the most important way, guys, here's, you need to hear me say this. The most important way that they can learn about Jesus is by watching Karen and I how we live our lives. If I'm a hypocrite about it, if I'm going to say, this is how you have to live to, to get to know Jesus, but I'm not living it. For instance, you know, when Daniel's watching certain shows on TV or watching YouTube videos, if he's watching a certain one that all of a sudden they start using language, that's not appropriate for a young boy, let alone a Christian boy, then we'll say, Daniel, you need to change that. And well, when he's in an area where I'm watching a show and maybe there's, you know, it's a police show or something I'm watching and maybe one of the bad guys says a, a four letter word or a three letter word, however many letters it is. And if Daniel says, dad, should you be watching that? Well, how do I handle that? Am I a hypocrite and saying, oh, that's only for you, Daniel, but we big boys are allowed to watch that. It's a tough journey, guys. But the best way Daniel can learn from me is by me living the life. It's not easy. It's not easy, guys. It's not because, yeah, it's hard. Another major major. Another major part of managing your household and helping your kids to get to know Jesus is helping them to learn about forgiveness. 
When either they hurt you or if I get it wrong and I hurt them, it's having the humility to work through forgiveness, whichever way it needs to work. It's not fun, but if it keeps love flowing and it prepares them for sharing forgiveness when they need to with friends or other people out in the world, man, it's so important. Forgiveness is huge. It helps us to learn God's forgiveness when we learn how to forgive each other. I don't like it when I have to ask them for forgiveness because it means I messed up. But man, it is so important for them to learn what forgiveness looks like and when I'm needing forgiveness. Guys, this is what it comes down to. The two greatest commands, it's love God and love others. And for, for all of us, we need to practice that within our household. You know, I've always said that our home life, no matter whether we're single, whether we're empty nesters, no matter whether we have a, a wife and kids, whether we are div- divorced and we have, you know, part-time kids, you know, they're there at our house sometimes and sometimes not, no matter what your household dynamic looks like, the, it's a training ground for our faith. because we're supposed to love those people the most, including loving ourselves. And so whether we're single, whether we have a a couple people in our house or whether we have a lot of people in our house, it's a training grounds for our faith, for, for practicing our faith journey, practicing loving God and loving others, practicing uh, forgiveness, practicing holiness, practicing communication with, you know, practicing fighting fairly, practicing all the different aspects that we're called to in, in, in our faith journey. That's our training grounds because it's where we should be able to do it the best because these people should love us the most. So guys, that's why it's so important for us to manage our households well. So guys, there it is. It's a hard one. It's not an easy one. You know, one of the greatest things that we can do is bring the presence of God by into our households, by us and relying on the Holy spirit of God into our households for letting our wives and our kids see what it looks like to walk in a relationship with Christ by how I live that relationship. I don't always get it right. And I don't always get it right, guys. It's a journey of holiness. It's a journey of walking with Christ in the good and the bad and the ugly. And when we get it wrong, God's grace, it's there. When we get it right, God's grace is there. And we can celebrate God's presence in our lives. So guys, there's so much more we can add. Wow. Uh, You're going to have some great, hopefully some great uh, talks in your life groups about this one, because we can all learn from each other. Iron can sharpen iron in this way, because I guarantee that there's some of you out there that have some great ideas that I need to hear to help me manage my household better, because I don't have it all figured out yet. My raising my kids, it's a challenge every single day. Being married to my wife, um, no, get this. It's a challenge. She's not the challenge. She's perfect. I'm the one that's the challenge. And if you heard me say that, make sure you tell my wife that I said it, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's a challenge, guys. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. But man, when we rely on Christ to show us how, when we take the steps of walking with Christ to, to do it, man, it can be truly a blessing. So guys, give it a shot. Keep going. Learn from God. 
dig into the word, find, you know, find a reading plan if you need to, to find out how can I be a better husband? How can I find a better, be a better dad? Because God's grace, he longs for us to figure that out because he longs to bless us in it. Guys, it's a journey. If you're not perfect at it yet, welcome to the club. It's a journey of faith as we all are on a journey of becoming holy men. Have a great day and I will talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.